Okay. Parsha Shlach, Shrush Zayin. Classic piece here. Nice, simple. It's a mix and uh, it's something which in Seder Abshah jumps out as a difficult point. And he gives a halacha, actually halacha. We're going to learn a little halacha's yichud tonight. And uh, he gives a, a very interesting shot based upon a Gemara and Kedushin. So just, I guess, a little, a little introduction is that there's a Sugan and Kedushin which talks about the Isra Yichud. Isra Yichud, it seems to be from the Gemara, might be an Isra Daraisa. So it's one thing the Torah says that, one, it's not allowed to have a relations which is not permitted. But the Torah is saying, furthermore, that a person has to protect themselves from being in the situation, in the context, from where they're uh, susceptible to that happening. And that means you can't be secluded. Um, and that idea of seclusion... There's a big dispute exactly in the Mishnah, in the Gemara, what exactly is, how, we, how to define that. But the simple text in the Mishnah itself, a pretty famous Mishnah, the Mishnah says, you know, it's always one of those things that, you know, as the world gets more and more, it's harder to say the Mishnah with a straight face, you know, direct and confident, but we do it. It says in the Mishnah, A person cannot be alone with two women, but one woman, Isha Achas, is allowed, is, um, is allowed to be Mishnah with two men. So one man with two women, that's forbidden. One woman with two men, that's permitted. So the Gemara says, what's the difference? What's the distinction? Obviously, the idea here and why one woman would be allowed to be together with two men is that one is not going to do anything in, in front of the other one, right? It's, in other words, it's a humiliation to him. It's embarrassing. So that's why it's not, it's like, you know, it's a built-in shomer. It's a built-in guardian. Each one is protecting against the other one doing anything. But if that's the rationale, which seems to make sense, and then what's the difference between uh, one, one woman with two men, which is permitted, so then why can't I say the same thing in the inverse, but one man with two women? So the Gemara explains, Nashim Daitan Kalas. And that's you know, a hard idea, but it seems that the women don't have that same sense of a given shame that one will be embarrassed to act in front of the other. Rashi says, she suggests to her friend that uh, she could also have a chance, so to speak. So therefore, because of that, then it's not a given protection. That's the, 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 the simple, simple idea of the Mishnah. So bottom line is, one man with two women is forbidden. However, one woman with two men is permitted. That's what the, that's what the Mishnah says. Now later on, I'm giving an introduction, you know, we'll see some of these points here. Later on in the Sugya, just maybe parenthetically, just to so you make a point, there's a whole discussion about three. You know, if there's an idea of a group, you know, we say one man with two women is forbidden. What about if you know, it's three, four, five, or what, to what extent? So there's already a big makam lahaka when it's three. It's an interesting idea that post themselves with the isra yichud, even if you know it's possible, it, 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 it's possible that there would still be the dait and kalos, but chazal didn't answer it in a group setting, and there's there's a lot to rely on. If already if there's if there's three women, although not all the rishonim agree to that point. Um, but anyways, getting back to our point that one woman, this is what we're going to focus on the most. One woman is allowed to be misachid with two men, with, according to the Mishnah. So the Gemara then says, lo shanu, lo shanu, that this halacha is true, that one woman can be together with two men. Lo shanu elek sherim. That this is true only for anashim k'sherim. Anashim k'sherim means, we're going, to, we're, we're going to grapple with this, what exactly is a kasher. But in a loose sense, a kasher is someone who, 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 who's, you know, wouldn't do something promiscuous. Not for, you know, forget about you know, forbidden relations, but even something that crosses a line, they wouldn't do, like a kasher. So for such a person, then if there are two men who are like that, so then each one will build, is a built-in protection against, the, against anything happening, and therefore it's permitted. Avapritzim, if these are promiscuous people, that, uh, you know, and it wouldn't bother them so much what their other friend was doing. You know, uh, you, you, you do you, I do me, right? It's not a big deal. So then in that scenario, the Gemara says, then it's not permitted. But again, how do you draw the line between Sherim and Pritzim is a very, very difficult, very difficult line. So there's a line later in the Gemara 
the Gemara has one Amora to another, where he was very concerned about Yichud, even though he was together with another Amora. So, 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 so the one Amara turns to the other and he says, I understand. I, I, I thought we learned that one woman could be together with two men. So he says, yeah, but that's only true if they're Ksherim. And who said we're Ksherim? He said, maybe Ksherim is a much higher, loftier level. Maybe, maybe we're not on that Madriga that we're considered Ksherim. Sure. What's Ksherim? Ksherim means, it's hard to define. It means Kasher, but it, it, it means someone who wouldn't tow a line to something promiscuous. So, so one Amara says to the other, he says, he says, who says we're the people that the Gemara is talking about? Who says we're the Ksherim? Maybe, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not the Ksherim. Maybe it's only people higher level. And he quotes, you know, like other people who seems to be even on a higher metric. Maybe the only those are the Ksherim. So there's a huge machlokas. I think you'll appreciate this. Svarad Menach Kenazim. There's machlokas Rambam and ultimately Dark Moshe. There's machlokas Svarad Menach Lehalacha. What the Pshad in the Gemara is, is a fascinating thing. So the Rambam understands the Gemara in a literal sense, that no one is allowed to assume that they're a kosher unless, you know, your mom is talking about who knows who. Uh, but a regular, you know, any one of us, even if we think we're good, we're not the Ksherim that the Gemara is referring to. The Ksherim that the Gemara is referring to is only people above, the, above that level, you know, like it's mom is something that we should never assume we're on. And therefore, from a practical standpoint, the Rambam's Pshak is that Hanagel and Yaninu, one woman is never allowed to be alone with two men, or to put it differently, two men are not allowed to be alone with one woman, which is the psaq of the Sephardim, it's open halach and shochan Whereas the Ramah disagrees. The Ramah says, what are you talking about? Those are, it says, k'sherim is mutter. A kasher is a kasher. A kasher is fine. I, the Gemara, where two Amoram were saying, who said we're the k'sherim? They meant to say in a humble standpoint that like, you know, maybe we should never look at ourselves like a, like a kasher. But of course, Me'ikr Adin, the essential halacha, is that certainly a kasher is a kasher. It's not, you know, it's not so hard to define. You don't have to invent, the, you know, you the gadol adar in order to be that way. If you're a kasher, you're a kasher. So that's the way the, 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 the Ramah Paskins, and that's the halacha for Ashkenazim, that as long as they're k'sherim, you know, people who don't do promiscuous things, then, uh, then it's okay. Then it's okay. One woman with two men. So So most of the, his assumption tonight is that Rishim Shun is actually going to be assuming like the Sfarnim. Again, the Psaq of the Ramam is that no, we don't know if anyone is a kasher. If we don't know if anyone is a kasher, Psaq of the Ramam is that one, one woman and two men is therefore a forbidden thing. Even in Ashkenazim, Horamekel, you know, it's always like, what is a kasher? How exactly do you draw the line? So when I was growing up, my, my father always told me, he said, he says, Ksherim means people who don't go to movies. That's what he used to tell me. But it's, uh, I, 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 heard, I heard from the place of Kishmak a point, which is that Ksherim versus Prutzim is definitely, rel- it's, it's, there's no given to it. Meaning, you can't find a Paisik, you know, you know, it's not going to say in the Beishmul, what, what, what didn't, it, it's a relative thing based upon where you are and what the generation is doing and where you stand vis-a-vis that point. I mean, I was kosher versus parts means someone you would say, yeah, yeah, he's a parts. That guy is a parts. That guy is a kosher. It's, it's, it's very much an identity of something that someone has. So obviously, it's an evolving definition and a very difficult definition to pinpoint. You know, so is it, is it true that anyone you'd meet in shul is a kosher? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. But the point is that, that it's a... I, I, I once heard someone say to me, Anyone who would keep Taras Hamashbacha as a kosher. Maybe that's a working definition. Maybe not. Very interesting, right? What do you think about? But again, that's all only Nagea in the Ashkenazi Psaq. In the, in, in the Rambam's view, the, the way the Shulchan Aruch views, all of this is irrelevant. Who's a kosher? None of us. None of us are kosher. You're not allowed to assume you're a kosher. That's why even one of the other didn't assume you're a kosher. So for them, practically, one woman with two men is forbidden. All right. Good. We have Mamash, half, half Sephardi, half Ashkenazi in this room, I think, tonight. So, all right. Here we go. Question, man, when you talk about being with, with yeah. a female, 
We're talking about walking down the street. Are no, we're talking about well, a room with a closed door. Seclusion. Yichud. Yeah. yeah. So a room with a closed door, you're saying it's okay if it's according to what you're saying. I, I, I'm saying that one woman with two men, even in a closed room, According to the Ramah, it's kosher if they're chayim, and according to the Machaber, it's not. According to the Machaber, we're not allowed to assume that we're kosher, and therefore, even, even with two men, it's forbidden. Okay, so here we go. Jewish Zion. So what, what are we talking about? You want to have to do with Parsha Shlach. So the answer is, what's this got to do with Parsha Shlach? Parsha Shlach is the story of the Maragam, where they send spies. Therefore, the Haftorah of Parsha Shlach is another episode in Jewish history where spies are, spent, are sent. This is the story with Yehoshua. Yehoshua was about to conquer the city of Yericho, so they sent, the Pasuk says that he sent two people. Now, who are the two people that he sent? We're familiar. Kalev, who's obviously the hero of Moshe Rabbeinu, the hero of the, the, hero of the story, and Pinchas. Pinchas was the other one. They were sent on the mission to survey Eretz Yisrael. And of course, you know, the point when you're reading the Haftar is to understand how could it be that Moshe sent 12, 12 spies and everything went wrong and it was catastrophic. And Yeshua sends two spies and everything's fine. Everything's beautiful. It works out just, just, just fine. How? What's the difference? What's the underlying distance? Difference in the two stories. Definitely, obviously, that's the point. That's the ikra of the limit of the Haftarah this week. But anyways, they get to the, to the city, and when they're looking around, so they meet someone whose name is Rachav. So Rachav had an inn. Rachav was actually a harlot herself, the Pesukim indicate. And, and what happened was she somehow had sympathy on them. She believed in the Jews coming and she tried to assist them, to help them, to protect them because what happened was the king heard of their presence so their life was kind of threatened and Rachel was hiding them. She hid them in these, these stalks of flax that were drying up in her roof. So they're kind of like lying under, under, under the flax up there on the roof. And now the Pasuk says in Zayi, the woman, take, the woman, referring to Rachav, she took the two men and she hid him. So is Belashon Yachid in the singular form. It doesn't say and she hid them in the plural, but rather and she hid him. So what's the Pshat? How do we understand this? So the Medrash says, What's the pshat? She didn't hide both. That of the two, again, it's Kalev. And it's Pinchas. Only Kalev needed to be hidden. Avalot Pinchas. Pinchas didn't need it. Why? Pinchas could stand in front of people and see them, but not be seen. He's invisible powder. What does this mean? So we're familiar that Pinchas is like an angel. Right? Eliyahu Novi higher madrig. So, so this is the Makar. It's fascinating. You know, you read the whole Torah. <laughs> But you don't see that next level of Pinchas becoming like an angelic figure, almost a superpower over here where he's invisible. But this is one of the Makarim that it says, She didn't need to hide him. She didn't need to hide him because he was an angel who could hide. All right, so what's the Pashib shot? He wasn't in the danger. He wasn't, he wasn't really a regular human being. So the Kadagal Mass. Makshim, he doesn't quote anyone specifically, but they ask, If you look, it's an unbelievable thing. This is Pasuk Dalit that says, Notice this in the Haftarah on Shabbos. It's unbelievable. Two Pesukim later, it says, And she hid them. So first it says, And she hid him. But then when it continues, it says, That she actually hid them. She did do it to both of them. So it's an unbelievable contradiction. If we're making such a big deal from Pasuk Dalit, then what happens by the time you get to Pasuk Vav? Tremendous question. Another difficulty is Remember what's the fundamental idea Hashem doesn't show, show off his powers And do Nisim for no reason Hashem does it because of Hechrech Because of what's necessary Then what would a miracle be? A miracle would be no purpose right? The Maharal says that the Yisait of a Nase 
which means a miracle is a nis, which is a banner. Like it's like a, a billboard that proclaims HaKadosh Baruch Hu's nis. That's not something HaKadosh Baruch Hu wishes to show off. That's not the point of it. But it's done out of necessity. That's certainly not what the Ibishta would do. It's not the minog. It's not the teva. So that's the idea. We're not meant, even if a person knows that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will perform the miracle, but we don't live like that. We don't, we're not supposed to rely on it. So if he could be hidden, just like Kalev, his colleague, why would he say, no, I'm on the Madriga from Amalek. I don't need it. Everything's okay. Don't bother hiding me. Why? Because I, I could use my invisible powers. Why use invisible powers when you could simply hide in the hay the same way your colleague uh, Kalev is doing? Another strong question. A third cash. So this is an interesting shot over here. That he wasn't yet a Malach. And where it seems, it seems that, 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 that the, the, the angelic figure that he became was only later at a point when he's going to, um, when he's going to announce the Mashiach. Meaning even Eliyahu Navi is not a Malach. Even if you say Pinchas Eliyahu. So what does he mean Eliyahu was a Malach? So no, the pshat is Eliyahu doesn't die, which we're familiar. He went up to Shemayim. He's going to return from Shemayim in the form of Mal- in a form of a Malach to tell us about to tell us about the Mashiach. It's not the pshat in their lifetime here. Eliyahu and Navi and certainly Pinchas was exactly a Malach. He wasn't a Malach. The Bris Shalom and this idea that, that he's going to become a Malach is a, a prophetic vision for what will to be through the coming in the times of Mashiach. At that point, that's when he will step up and be a Malach. But here we're saying in the story itself, when he's spying on Yericho, oh, he doesn't need to be hidden because he has invisible powers of a Malach. That seems a little bit premature. It's premature to give him those powers. Rakish Kasher Bahama, at this point, he's just a good moral character and uh, certainly he still could be seen. So that's a nice third question. A fourth question. Now we're going to get into the connection here to what our, our introduction was about. There's a question that has to be asked in the simple story here. Here you have two tzaddikim, Kalif and, and, and Pinchas, and they are being secluded with a foreign woman, right? She, she's hiding them on the roof. No one else can see. And you think about it even more. She's a harlot, right? So the temptation, the ease is even greater. It says, A woman is not allowed to be alone even with uh, multiple men. And he's quoting there the opinion of the Mechaber that doesn't rely on the Heter of Kshirim. And therefore, and therefore it should be Aser. Even though they were two, the opinion of the Rambam, the opinion of the Mechaber is that it's still forbidden. So Stam, in the simple story, he's raising such an important question. How is it mutter for them? So some people said, there's an interesting raid, by the way. Some people say, what do you mean? They were saving their lives. <laughs> what are they supposed to do? It was a question of life and death. The king had discovered that they were there. So maybe Yichud is mutter to save your life. Someone's chasing you, right? And they have the, the threatening your life. And you could, you could go and hide. But the problem is, if you go and hide, you'll be in a room secluded with, with a woman that you're not allowed to have relations with. You're not allowed to do it. So it's a famous thing. It's a funny story. I'm very busy. Church. Are you, someone's chasing for your life and only yeah. going to a church. Yeah. Yeah. So going into a church is probably is, is, is probably enough to rely on uh, with the complexity of it being like Avodah Zarah. It's not so clear. But in this scenario, the reason Pashas, you would say, it's Mutter. It's not Gila Arayas, right? It's a separate sin. It's Esher Vichud. But the Shaila is as follows. There's a concept called Abizrayu de Gimuchamuros, which means the uh, the the things that lead, like the, it's very hard to, to translate Abizrael literally. It means like the dust of the, of the point, meaning not the substance itself of the, of the sin, but the thing that leads to the sin. So for example, like the Gemara says, if you have a legitimate Avodah Zarah, you can't even like bow in front of it. Forget about like, if, if you're actually trying to worship it, but you can't even bow in front of it to save your life, even if you're not worshiping it, because it's, 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 it's Abizrael, it's a Gemara, that leads to it. The Gemara discusses a case of a person 
who had such a temptation for a longing for a certain forbidden woman, but if you would see her improperly, modestly dressed, and it would, it would calm him, fascinatingly so. And the doctors like prescribed it, and the Gemara seems to say, no, you, have to, you can't do such a thing. You have to even give up your life for such a thing, even if it would be dangerous. So there's a concept that even if it's not the severity of the essential sin itself, but it's the thing that leads to it, it might be forbidden as well. So some make the argument, that, that Yichud is Abizrai with Arayas. And one, there's a din of giving up your life for that as well. It's, it's a bizarre story, I'm telling you, but it happened in Panovich Yeshiva. It's one of the most bizarre stories of the 20th century. But it happened, I believe, true story, um, that there was a, a chasan who got locked. I, I don't know if it was locked in a trapped in an alley. I don't know exactly the circumstances, but somehow I think maybe a window. I, I just don't know. It was a very bizarre story. He was trapped in a yichud scenario with his kala. His kala was presumably a nida, so it was an iser of yichud. And, um, and, he, and he jumped. He jumped because he had learned the sugya. Yeah. It's a whole, a whole controversy. It's third, a whole thought. Mutter, aser, he was crazy. He was right. You could hear it, you know? Anyways, I'm just sharing it just to, just to stir the pot. It's a true story. It's a true story. This is after, much after. It's much after. Anyways, not for us. The, the question could be, some people are trying, that's why I'm bringing it up, is because what he's challenging is, how in the world are they doing yichud here with this woman? So maybe there's a simple answer. They're trying to save their lives. So there are those who try to, you know, is that a raya? Is that a raya not? It seems that he, he's not assuming that there was such a hazard from such a thing. All right. Now, he brings up the point that where does Yichud with a non-Jewish woman come from? Yichud with an erva, a woman, let's say a nida, for example. That might be an isra but, but Yichud with a non-Jewish woman, that's not an isra It actually only came later historically, in the times of Shama and Hillel. So the argument can be made, it was only rabbinic isra not to be alone with a, foreign, with a non-Jewish woman. So at the time in the story here in, in Jewish history, it wasn't yet forbidden. Like Amar seems to say that it only happened later. So maybe at the time of Pinochas and Kalev, they weren't yet subject to the Isser. So it says, Maybe that's a decent answer if you're talking about a regular Jew. For righteous men like Pinochas and Kalev, it is obvious. Certainly they should have been cautious with, with something that Chazal were destined to decree. Where do we find such an idea that even before a law is legislated by the rabbis and put into rabbinic ordinance, but still those who are tzaddikim still keep it in for the future. But from Avram Avinu, the Pasuk says that I, I reward Avram because he listened to my voice. It says, and he kept, and then what does the Gemara in, in Yuma said? Avram kept it all. Even the Darabonon, like Erev Tavshilim, when Yantav comes before Shabbos, you prepare with an Erev, even that Avram kept. Why? Because he foresaw that the rabbis were going to enact certain things, and even those things he was already keeping. If so, you know, we're familiar with how the Jewish people have fallen to immoral behavior. You've already sinned with the daughters of Moab at Chitim, so certainly they witnessed the danger of what it means to be alone with a foreign woman. They can understand how, how vulnerable, how sensitive they should have been to this. So how in the world are they, are, are they secluding themselves with Racha? So let's make a summary of the question. It's going to be a very simple theory, but let's just go over the questions. There are four kashas that he's raising. Number one is, and he's raising the kasha on the medrash. The famous medrash is, no, it doesn't say name. She only hid one. She didn't hide both. She only hid Kalev, but Pinchas did not require hiding uh, because he was on the level of a malach where he wasn't seen. 
So the one kasha is two psukim later. It says vatitzmenehim that she hides them. Kasha number one. Kasha number two is why rely on a miracle when you don't need to? So what's this business? You use your invisible power when you could simply hide. How does that make sense? Number three is if Pinchas was not using was not a malach at the time. He was destined to become on the level of a malach, but at the time he was an ordinary good person. So what's the pshat that he had an invisible power? And the fourth pshat is let's raise a simple question on the pshuto shemekra. How are they allowed to be alone with her? How can they be alone? You're not allowed to be at yichud together with a with a non-Jewish woman, even two men, as, the, as it says in Shulchan Aras. So what's the head there for them to be alone? And as he says, don't tell me it's only the Rabbanon, which wasn't yet decreed, because certainly they should have been careful with this. Okay. This is the one where she's putting red stream. Yes, yes, you'll see. Really, yeah. Says the Zerah be a Shlomar. Let's give it to the Gemara, I mean, we know what does the Gemara say? The Gemara says that it's mutter with two people. Right? That's the Gemara. Two Kshirim is mutter. Now, and really, that, that's Ramah. That's the Hagah. Hagah is always the term for the one who's Magia. Magia is the one who, um, who makes comments, right? He's the one who makes comments. So the Shofan Aruch is the writer, and then the Magia is the Ramah. Right, it's a tremendous act that the Ramah did. He wanted to write his own Shulchan Aruch. The first one, Yosef Kaira wrote it first. So instead of publishing his own book, he, he just incorporated his differences as Hagos in the Shulchan Aruch. So we have one book. So in the Magia, in the Ramah's Psaq, he just says, any Anoshim Shirim is good. Right? So wait a second. Let's take a step back. What's Taq of Shad and the Rambam and the Machaber that don't hold of that? Did they not know that the Gemara says Shirim? So the Pshad is, as we quoted it in our introduction, to the Gemara, the Kedushin, Aleph Masik. And the Gemara at the very end of the Sugya concludes that when Rav and Rav Yehuda were together, they didn't want to rely on the Hatir. I feel the Rav and Rav Yehuda will make you Shirim. Because they said to one another, they said, maybe we're not the Shirim that the Gemara is referring to. They said in a very humble way, they said, maybe it's only Rav Bar Papi and his colleagues. You know, they, 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 they were people who had been tested, just to understand a little bit. The Gemara says that, you know, these were people, HaKadosh Baruch who sent them the most difficult tests with forbidden relations, and they were able to overcome it. So maybe a kosher, Rav, Rav is saying, Rav and Rav Yudah means someone who's already been tested with the most difficult Yitzhahara, and he's somehow overcome it. That's a person who can ease up and say that if I'm together with another man, then there's no Yitzhah Yichah. But for a regular, even if, you know, we're learning all day, davening, cherim, seems like tzaddikim, no, we're not allowed to rely on that. So if that's the Vart, which is what uh, the Ramam is assuming. And the Ramam understands that Gemara literally. Again, the Ramam understands that Gemara, that they were just humbly saying that they wouldn't want to be lenient. But they, in, in truth, they were allowed to do it. But the Machaber understands it was me, Hadin, that a kosher is not a regular person who's good. A kosher is only the person on a level, a higher, higher, majrigal, who had been tested. But a regular Amaram, even like Rav, we're not allowed to rely on that. It comes out, he says, even 10 men of good character would be forbidden in secluding with such, with, with such a woman because it doesn't make a difference according to this Chomer how many it is. Let's find out if this Faradim are Machma for this. This is not so passionate. But even 10 men with one woman, he assumes, would then be forbidden and you can't rely on Shem. Look at there at the Chalkas Machokek. That's what the Chalkas Machokek and the Sadr Shokhanar Paskins according to this Faradim. So now, the difficulty is very strong. How could Kalev and Yoshua be there? Meaning, bitch, just like go over the shikol tire. It's a beautiful shikol. Bitch, Lama like the Ashkenazim, like the Magia. It's not a question how they were allowed to do it. The is they were chair. Cherim don't have an Isra. But if you go like the Shulchan Aruch, they Cherim don't have a head there. That even Rav and Reviews had taught us they were not allowed to rely on it. So what's the pshat? So if so, now we can understand what the Pasuk is saying. Look at the brilliance here. Really, practically, both of them were hidden. Because if I teach my name, as the Pasuk said in that second Pasuk, that she hid them. Of course, practically, they were both hidden. 
in order that one shouldn't ask. You're going to be bothered how they seclude themselves at night in the house of a foreign woman who is a harlot, right? It's her house, it's night, she's a harlot, it's everything going bad, so you're going to have shver. What's with the yichud? So the Pasuk said in the yachud that she hid him, meaning, it was saying that in a theoretical sense, she only needed to hide Kalev. Pinchas was on a level of righteousness that he was destined to become an angel of God. And in a theoretical standpoint, in the future, he would be a person who would have invisible power. Eventually, Hitaka became an angel. And therefore, it's trying to indicate that the Yitzhahara didn't have a control over Pinchas the same way it had over regular people. So meaning to say, Avada, she hid Pinchas. But the Pasuk is coming to say, if you want to understand who he was in his inner essence, he's a person that theoretically down the line is going to become so great that it wouldn't even require hiding. Right now, practically, she hid him. We're not going to rely on an ace. And he wasn't a Malach. And as the Pasuk says, she hid them. But who is this person that she's hiding? You should know as a person who's on the Madriga that in the future at some point, he's not going to even require hiding because he's going to be on the level of a Malach. What is the point of that? The point of knowing that is to show that he's on the level of Reb Bar Papa. He's not just the regular level of Rav and Rav Yehuda who are Ksherim and still have the Isra of Yichud. We're saying that someone who's destined to become a Malach, a Zamadriga, that's much more than Kasher. That's for sure, that, that's for sure included in the Kasher that you, could, that you could in fact rely on the Hatzah. And therefore, that's why the Pasuk is saying this point, no, not because practically she didn't hide him, but it's saying she, you're dealing with a person who in the future would be someone with invisible power. Therefore, we understand he is for sure the Kasher that even the Machaber would be, would be, would be allowed would be allowing for him to be together with another man, with a woman. And I, that only helps for Pinchas, but how does that help for, how does that help for Kalev? So I was going to say, the Pshat is, it's not a Taina. Let's say you have one person, maybe you could Taina this, that what, let's say one person was a Kasher, one person who's, in, who's not, then the fact that one Kasher is there, that should protect the Yisra Yichud for the Eino Kasher. Maybe that's the answer, but it's not a good answer. Because the reason I think the Gemara says, Balayla, you need two share, and one kosher is not good. The Gemara explains because we're always nervous somebody might go to the bathroom for a minute at night, you know? So you really shouldn't rely on that. So you have to assume that even Kalev was a kosher. He says, If they were sent together on a mission, and even though we don't know that Kalib was destined to become a Malach, he didn't have a per- he wasn't a person who'd have invisible power in the future. Even though it's like that, but certainly he must have been the loftiest of the lofty. Even if he wasn't necessarily quite on the same level, so then he comes back to my point that Pinchas was probably guarding him as they were together. So meaning to say that it was possible for them to be secluded with Rachel. What's the Yisrael of the Territz? There's no, there's no Isser of Yichud, one woman with two men. Ah, you're going to have a Taino that the Machaber doesn't pass in that way. The Machaber goes with the Gemara, that, that the simple reading of the Gemara, that we're not supposed to assume that anyone's a Kasher. The Territz says, yeah, that's only regular people. But when you're dealing with people that theoretically and are going to have an invisible power in the future, are going to reach the Madrega of being Mamash or Malach, so for such people, you could assume they definitely have the Hetar, even according to the Machaber. So now let's just go over how we answered all four questions. Mamash, a simple theory. Kasher number one, did she hide both or did she I only had one. One Pasuk says she had one, Pasuk says she had both. The Terra says she did hide both. <clears throat> the Pasuk says she hid one, 
was relating to answering this question. How could they be alone? I should be an answer yichud. It's telling you, you're dealing with people who have that theoretical ability in the future not to even not need hiding and therefore they're certainly shared. Kasha number two was, why rely on a miracle when you don't need to? The answer is, they weren't relying on a miracle. She actually did hide them. The Pasuk was just coming to explain when it says, but this we know, but this we know only him to explain how there was no problem of being alone. Third kasha was, he wasn't yet a malach. So if he wasn't yet a malach, so he didn't have the invisible power. The Eretz says, you're right. We're not saying he was invisible right now. The Pasuk was saying that this is a person who's going to be a malach. Clearly, you're dealing with a person of something unique and anomalous that, that is above the temptation of Yitzhara if he's in the future going to be a malach. And the fourth thing, which was the question of how Lamaisa was there a heter of Yichud, we've answered that very well. We're explaining that even Ladas the Machaber, that, that, that we're not meant to assume that any of us are Sherim, Lamaisa Pinchas and Kalev were on the Madriga of Sherim, mostly because of the Pinchas, and he comes around even if Kalev wasn't necessarily on the Madriga, but, uh, but, but, but the Shoimer, the Shoimer for all that would have been, would have been Pinchas, yeah. Is there any hidden reasons or possibilities that this was also for her test, that she would rise to the occasion in the future 